Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Age and maturity don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. So now that we have determined that age is not necessarily a sign of maturity, what is a sign of maturity? What is an indication that you are a mature being? Well, in order to establish that, we need a frame of reference. We need to know where we're coming from. In the world, if you have a degree, like a PhD or a master's, you'd be considered a mature individual because you've taken on a certain amount of knowledge and you've done it successfully and you've been rewarded with uh, the letters after your name. But maturity can be considered your ability to cope within the world and to accomplish things within the world. Like he's a mature businessman, or he's a mature doctor, uh, or he's a mature lawyer, or he's a mature whatever it is that you do, uh, that you're successful at it. But the truth is that the only real measure of maturity is your relationship with wisdom and the extent of your relationship with wisdom and the depth of your relationship with wisdom. And in understanding that, you begin to enter into the realm that separates reality from illusory existence. It separates reality from the dunya, the dung heap of the world. It separates reality from maya illusion. Now, in Arabic, reality is haq. Haq means the real. Uh, it's the name of Allah. Haq, the real. It means you have passed beyond the illusory and entered into that which has true substance and true eternality. And for the Sufi, maturity is entering into that world and the extent to which you've entered into that world. The key to entering into that world is 
the ability to be in a state of love. In many more ways than we can imagine. And as that state of love increases, many of the ways that we couldn't imagine before, we can imagine now. You can be in love in this instant. You can be in love while driving your car. You can be in love while going to bed. You can be in a state of love while taking a shower. You can transcend the worldly pecking that goes on at you constantly by being in a state of love. It transcends all of that. So, how do we get into that state of love? When I met my teacher, um, my wife and I were together, and we had a relationship, and we thought we were in love. Of course, this is over 40 years ago. And then we met the sheikh. And I had never encountered a being such as the sheikh. Because when I first sat in front of him, I didn't know him, he didn't know me, and I was enveloped by his love. And it was a very strange and unique experience. I wasn't used to being loved by little old people. As a matter of fact, I didn't particularly like little old people. And all of a sudden, here I am with one of the tiniest men in the world who speaks a different language than I speak, who reached out to me with love, and I was captured in his field of love. And I was taken. And he brought me up from where I was to another level. He took me and changed my understanding of things. And this is at the core. All of a sudden, the way you see things and the way you understand things changes. I was about 27 years old. Maybe 26. I don't remember. And I had just just started practicing law. And the things that were important to me were to be successful. And then I met him, and the thing that was important to me was to be in his presence. Now, that's quite a switch. And it didn't take a long time for that switch to happen. It took one visit, and that switch happened. And why did I want to be in his presence? Because being successful in the world didn't have the love component in it. It was missing 
that warmth. It was missing that heart. It was missing that connection. So, in the beginning, I and my wife were enveloped by his love. Why? Because we didn't know what love was yet. And we didn't have the capacity yet to love the way he could love. I was asked a question last week of what is compassion. And my response was that it's the ability to feel empathy for someone else and to join into that person's circle of need and try to provide what it is they need. Well, some of us give a dollar to a, uh, a beggar and that's the extent of our empathy. Uh, our capacity is what our capacity is. And when it comes to love, as we go through the world, we find that most people don't have a great capacity for love. They have a great capacity for anger. They have a great capacity for resentment. They have a great capacity for jealousy. They have a great capacity for stubbornness. But they don't have a great capacity for love. And then I met this little man whose capacity to love was so overwhelming that you became enveloped into it and became part of his capacity to love, even though your own love capacity had not developed yet. So he had a capacity that was so great that it could create the capacity to love in others. He had a capacity that was so great that his capacity to love could overwhelm your capacity for anger and your capacity for resentment and your capacity for jealousy and your capacity for all of the negativity in the world were overwhelmed by his capacity for love. Now, he got his love from Hawk, reality. And the next level, of course, or there are many more levels, but the highest level of capacity is Allah. Allah's compassion, Allah's love, is immeasurable. It's without limits. It is the cause of this creation. Allah's love not only envelops us in love, but it envelops us in air. It allows us to exist. And he gives that to us freely. Does Allah ask what color you are before he says you can have air? Does Allah ask what religion you are before he says you can have water? Does Allah withhold these gifts of survival because of your religion or your race or your creed or your color or your language or your nationality or your place in the world or your status? So, who are we and what is our capacity to love? Now, 
before we can have a capacity like the sheikh, we have to have a capacity to love that's big enough to envelop our own anger, to envelop our own jealousy, to envelop our own resentment, to overwhelm our own stubbornness. So before we can have a capacity to love that can engage others, we have to have a capacity to love that overwhelms us and that envelops ourselves so that all of the non-loving things that are within us become encased in love so they no longer react to us. The spiritual says, I ain't going to study war no more. What's that mean? I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm not going to be jealous anymore. I'm not going to be resentful anymore. I'm not going to be any of the things that are contrary to Hak, that are contrary to reality, that are contrary to the truth. So we have to somehow understand what love is and we have to understand our capacity to love. We all know the phrase, to know your Lord, you have to know yourself. Well, the way you get to know yourself is through love. Because at the core of us is love. And if we can't love, we can't get to the core of us. Only love can know love. Anger can't know love. You know why? Because when love comes, anger disappears. Resentment can't know love. Why? Because when love comes, resentment disappears. Jealousy disappears. It's this great fire that burns away everything that creates differences. And in understanding that... And in understanding that in Hak, all the differences that appear in the world disappear in that all-enveloping love, we get the opportunity to know who we truly are. And what we truly are is love. And until we make the pathway towards knowing that and set the intention of knowing that we are lost in all of the multitude of hypnotisms and glitters and magnetisms that are illusion. And we are caught in the power of anger and the power of resentment. There's a famous story that explains being overwhelmed by emotion. Imagine that you're riding in a carriage with a driver and six horses. And the, you get into a small town, and the driver has a break coming for about 20 minutes. 
And instead of getting something to eat, he goes into a bar and drinks for 20 minutes. And by the time he gets out, he's drunk. And he gets back on the carriage, and he's driving the carriage, and you're inside of it, and he's out of control. And because you're in his carriage, you're now out of control. Well, that's what anger does. It takes over your being, and you become out of control. You're being driven by a drunk carriage driver. If resentment takes over your being, you're being driven by a drunk carriage driver. The problem is that when we look at that picture, we don't see the carriage and we don't see the driver. And we don't see ourselves sitting in the carriage. We just think it's all us. We are that which our emotion has taken us. And we're not. And we need to be able to dispel that notion that we are our emotional format at the moment. And we also have to understand that when we are having emotionally difficult times, in other words, when we feel underappreciated, when we feel people haven't done right by us, when we get into the depressions that come with all of those things, it's much easier to carry the emotion of anger than to carry the emotion of, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. So instead, we become angry and we lash out because of our interactions in the world. But if we loved inside and began to understand that our true connection is not all the things that cause us difficulties in the world, but our true connection is with the love that sustains us, and it's the same love that sustains everybody else, except most people don't get it, we begin to change from the inside out, as opposed to being influenced from the outside in. So our strength comes in being centered. Our strength comes in focusing on the core of who we are, on the core of what we are, focusing on the reality that created us and sustains us and forming a loving relationship with that. And when that relationship exists, then our capacity to love increases. Why? Because it comes from the corp- from the cornucopia of abundance, which is our Lord. It's not limited like the things in the world are limited. And as long as we see things as limited, we become afraid because we have to get our share. And to get our share, we have to fight. But when we learn that the things that we're trying to get our share of are the externalities and the reality of joy and happiness and abundance is internal, our life changes. And we become somebody else. We become different. 
we become lovers. So, not there, there, there's a stage where we have to be loved, but then there comes a stage where we can become lovers. And in a real relationship between two people, you take turns being the lover and the beloved. And it, the energy flows back and forth. And this station can be with a sheikh, it can be with a woman, it can be with a friend, it can be with a man. But this is the state of maturity. This is the state that envelops all of existence. This is the state that holds us together. This is the state that allows us to blossom into the true nature of what and who we are. And until we understand that state, we can't be mature. Until we understand that state, we continue to struggle with all the externalities of existence because we're looking outside for our fulfillment when the truth is the only true fulfillment in this world comes from God and God's compassion and God's love. And when we set our intention to be attuned to that, we also simultaneously set our intention to become lovers, set our intention to become mature, set our intention to become real. Because now we have set an intention to give up all of the external needs that we thought we had. All of these mind illusions which create necessities for us can be cut away as quickly as they came. A thought comes into your head and then you can chase it for the next three years. Or you can cut it. And then you don't have to chase it. And an awful lot of wasted time is done away with. So we have to begin to understand what it is we're looking for and how it is we can approach getting it. One of the difficulties that people had when they came in front of Bawa is they didn't know what they wanted. They didn't know what to ask for because they didn't understand anything. So if he would say, are there any, do you have a question? Somebody would ask him a question and then he would answer what they really needed. He wouldn't answer their question. And then people at the end would say, but that's not what I meant. Oh, yes, it was. You don't know what you mean. And when you begin to know what you mean, then you don't have these questions. So we have to know what we mean. We have to know what we're looking for. We have to begin to understand our real relationship with existence. And thank God that Allah has sent teachers into this world to show us 
what that real relationship is. And then a transformation will come over us. Or as they say, a change is going to come. And we have to be the ones who want that change. When I was uh, first started working, the first book that we had at that time was called The Divine Luminous Wisdom That Dispels the Darkness. And it was the only book we had, really, at that time. And I gave it to my boss. I said, I found something that I think is quite incredible. You should read some of this, and uh, maybe we can talk about it. And the next morning, he came back to me. He was a nice guy. I really liked him. Uh, he had some character flaws, but that's another point. And uh, he brought me back the book, and he said, uh, it's very interesting, and I see the merit of it. But in order to do what he wants, I have to change and I don't want to change. That's right! You have to change. You have to actually understand why you need those things. And if you're so clouded by what the world has offered you, and by what you've gotten in the world, and by what you think you need in the world, you can't understand that the true answers are inside your heart, in your connection to Allah. So we need to refocus. And because of the constant harassment that the world gives us, we need to refocus constantly. This is an everyday event. That's the reason for five times prayer. So that every day, during the day, you take time to refocus. And to refocus so that you can build up defenses to all the worldly energies that are trying to pull you in their direction. And you say, halt, stop. My direction is towards Allah. I look towards the east. So when we can do that, and we can do that with sincerity... We will change. And we will begin to understand what's real and what's not real. And we will take the side of reality. May it happen for each of us. Ameen, ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.